welcome back. Thanks. You're welcome. What's up, Buttercup? Nothing. I'm trying to readjust because I feel I know. like I'm about this is, to like... What is happening? Well, I feel like you're sitting right in front of the microphone, and so, like, I don't know. I got jealous. <laughs> and now I'm trying to cuddle you. <laughs> I should have gotten adjusted first. What's up? Not a lot. Hmm. What's up with you? Nothing. Nothing? Mm. I'm like back onto the like two working out two times a day fucking grind and it blows ass. When did you start doing that? I started last week and then Chris and I got thrown into COVID or quarantine this weekend because of COVID. Um, so then I didn't get to work out all weekend and then I got back in there today. Oh my God. So what I do is in the morning I do the elliptical for like an hour and then I do like an open circuit training for about a half hour. Yeah. So I do like weights and like slight cardio in the morning. And then at night I do cardio where I do, um, I'm on the treadmill where it's inclined at 13. Yeah. And the speed is three, which, and and you do it for a half hour. It seems easy. It's fucking hard. I died. It's so, cause you're like fast walking up a hill. Yeah. For a half hour. And like, I literally had to stop at like 15, maybe 20 minutes. Cause I was like, I'm Jesus. going to have a fucking heart attack. <laughs> going to die. On so I either right have now. COVID or I'm just really struggling today in my workout. So there was that. But the only thing that's really holding me accountable right now is the fact that my boss and I started sharing watch activity. <laughs> and if anyone knows my boss, like she's, a very, very healthy woman. Um, sorry, you might hear my coat. I'm Wait, watering that. A, I'm watering a plant. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Sorry, guy. Um, anyways, so my boss and I started sharing watch activity and that like I see her activity and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... speaking of watches, yeah. I so... bought a I bought an Apple Watch off of Emily's husband. Yeah. So he never updates his technology. And I literally told him, I was like, babe, you have to update your shit or else it's going to bite you in the ass. What happened? Bit him in the butt. Bit him in the ass. So Chelsea bought this watch from him and then he um, tried connecting it and it won't connect because it needs updated. And it won't connect to anything because it needs updated, but you can't update it if it's not connected to anything. So he has to send it to Apple and Apple's going to update it. And send it back. And send it back. <laughs> so that sucks. Yeah. He's like, if you don't want it, I totally understand. We can start sharing watch activity, though, when you That's get it. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, let me... I mean, do you really want to? I run a lot. <laughs> well, if I'm sharing with my boss, that's already a loss here. Look at... That's our difference. I only have one ring closed. And then she has all of her rings, like, overlapped. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So Yikes. there's that. There but that. you know. No, this week's been pretty quiet. Um my son was tested for COVID and he was negative, which was good. Thank goodness. But we were kind of like in quarantine the last 48 hours waiting for test results. But he's all fucking bebopping around the house today. And I'm like, bro, you need to go lay down. Like at least pretend like you just had a Q-tip shoved into your brainstem. No shit. Because, <laughs> like, he was showing symptoms, but, like, he just, 
definitely didn't have COVID. Mm-hmm. But we got him tested in. Well, it's know. good that you did because Chris was very sick this weekend and we were around Aiden. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, fuck, <laughs> we gave COVID well, to and, Aiden. God, and that was part of it is because like my mom and stepdad had it. You guys were really sick. Like his classmates mm-hmm. were sick. He had a birthday party and there was a kid there that was coughing, you know, and it's like. Literally, it could come from anywhere at this point. You probably mm-hmm. walk outside and breathe COVID air. Like, it just is what it is. But Yikes. But he was negative, and so he gets to go back to school tomorrow. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was nice that, like, because I told him, I was like, if you're homesick, you're homesick. Like, you're not going to be fucking playing video games. Doing and- fun stuff. So, like, I made him lay down most of the morning, and they played really quietly in their room. I got all of my homework done for the week. Not me. Like, I'll just have my forum post and what the fuck ever. Mm-hmm. But, like, all my... And I have, like, a group meeting on Wednesday, but all my big assignments are done. And you are almost done with school. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, like, the anxiety is setting in. So I have my oral examination at the end of October. And so two weeks before that, my e-portfolio has to be done. And it's on like this weird online platform that I don't understand because it's like you have to create your own website now. And it's giving me massive anxiety and I'm sure it won't be hard once I open it. It's just giving me anxiety so I'm not opening it. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt about my discussion post today. I opened it and I was like, nah. Just not, not even worth it. No. Not today. Not fucking today. Nope. Full moon. <gasps> yes. Make your moon water, y'all. Such a crisps out. Yep. My moon water is currently sitting in the window with my crystals around it. I've always been like weird about like, does it actually work if it's through a window? Yeah. Cause water absorbs energy. Energy doesn't like stop because there's something in front of it. I know, but like the crystals I've always done. I've always put my stuff in the windowsill. You've never put it outside. I put like the jar of water outside, but not my crystals. Cause some of them are like sensitive to sunlight. Some of them are sensitive to water. And let's be honest, half the time I can't even fucking remember what two thirds of the crystals I have are. Mm-hmm. And so then like, I can't tell you what th- should not go where. Maybe I'll put mine in the window then. I've like never set mine out just cause I'm like, oh, I don't want any college students to steal them. And yeah, but if the windows work, then I'll just put it in the window. I mean, I think they work. Depends on how you set your intention. Two, 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 two. Okay. Anything super exciting that we need to go to? Gosh, I'm thinking nothing really exciting happened this week, did it? No. Tell me about your trip. Oh, for Aiden's birthday? Mm-hmm. It was fun. We did, like, we went to the uh, South Dakota School of Mines Geological Museum because mm-hmm. Aiden has wanted to be a paleontologist since he was like two. And so he was really excited about like all the dinosaur bones and like Avery kept posing in front of all the showcases and was like, take my picture, take my picture, take my picture. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. And then we did Watiki and it actually like there weren't that many people there. So it was really nice. Um, We stayed there for like four hours and then we just stayed at our hotel. Are you? Quit eating the gate. Bitch. She's depressed. My fucking dog's locked downstairs because it's been raining all day. Oh, can we talk about this weather, though? I fucking love it. It was perfect all day. I got my, like, raincoat on. I'm, like, sweating right now. Maybe I'm going through menopause, but, like, having hot flashes. So, 
but it was good weather. <laughs> How were you feeling today? In like physically or mentally? Mentally. I'm actually good. Oh. Like very calm and settled. I don't have a lot of like big feels today for the first time in like, you know, 31 years. I was very anxious today. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Like we had a meeting today and then afterwards, like I had to text my boss and I was like, look, I was peopled out by that meeting. Like, so I'm sorry if I was a bitch. <laughs> and I don't think I was, but I was just very like, kind of like dissociative, very quiet, pulling myself back a lot. Yeah. Um, and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, hands are sweaty. I have like, I feel like stomach ulcery. For those of you who don't know me, I get anxiety and do stomach ulcers. Um, my legs are shaky. I was like, I'm just anxious. She's like, are you having a panic attack? <laughs> I was like, no, when I have a panic attack, I hyperventilate. So I'm not there yet, but I'm just very anxious today. And I don't know why. And it was just, I don't know, kind of sucked. Full moon, you think? I, whoop. Yep. Could be. Just saying. I don't know. Could be. I'm feeling a little bit better now. That's because you're with me. Obviously. <laughs> I think it was my workout where I almost died. Yeah. Probably helped. Thanks for taking that away from me. The workout that almost killed me? No. The being here made you feel better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no, that's it. Fuck you too. Okay. Should we go to mom corner? Yeah. Okay. Mom corner. Did you know people with anxiety can be good to have around in an emergency? <gasps> Me! <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I have a crisis. Since anxious people are often waiting for something to go wrong, they're also more vigilant about monitoring their surroundings. This makes them faster at detecting and reacting to threats, and they're much more likely to warn others without delay. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. You are welcome. And the next one. Oh, this one hurts my soul. When a child tells you they don't feel comfortable around someone, pay attention. Uh-huh. Okay. And the last one, did you? <laughs> did you know <laughs> fruit flies drink alcohol when they are sexually frustrated? Me too. <laughs> Word. Uh, I, I, I am a fruit fly. Buy fruit flies, they need me. I am fruit flies. <laughs> I am fruit flies. There's our fucking episode title. I am a fruit fly. There's mom oh, corner. My goodness. Gosh, I feel like we should have more to talk about right now, but we just really don't. There just is like, it, like I said, it's been a really calm week. There's not been a lot of like chaos. My son turned nine. We had a birthday party. I went to Rapid. We got fucking quarantined and here we are. Yeah. My boss and Chris's bosses had to bring us food all weekend. Yeah. Because we didn't have any food in the house. So they just added us to the meal deliveries. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I actually think we were the only deliveries this weekend. So that's nice, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our boss called me today and she's like, whatever you think you know about COVID, you fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something she'd say. Yes. I was like, yep. Yep. That's right. Cause we were like, we were talking about it. Both of our kids had been exposed. And so we were just having that conversation of like, the fuck do we do with the other one? Some doctors are saying, send them to school. Some doctors are saying, get them tested. You know? Mm -hmm. So it just is like, fuck. Yeah. Like what's the right answer? Nobody fucking knows. A lot. Um, yeah. So I have a question. What? So do you get the kids back on Thursday? Off topic. No. Um, he asked if he could have them on Saturday instead of Wednesday. Oh, okay. 
So I just didn't know if like you just expanded the week. Um, we talked about it, but he would rather have them Saturday because he has the day off. And I think the kids would really like to have a full weekend with their dad because that hasn't happened in almost a year. Sorry. Convo. <laughs> Welcome to Mental Health Sucks, where we talk about our personal lives and nothing else. Oh, goodness. Yikes. Okay. So we have kind of a... Well, I okay. Know. So we're continuing with Suicide um, Prevention Awareness Month, as it is still September. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and we're kind of... We have an interesting take on suicide this week. Um, we have a couple different things we want to do. We only have two weeks left of the month. Um, and so we were like spitballing all of these different ideas and this one is just one that stuck because it's something that i'm really passionate about um and i i really enjoy it probably because i'm such a political person (laughs) um so this is just the one that stuck and it's an interesting take on suicide it's not the typical conversation about suicide that we have been having right but i think it's one we need to have because it's, it's definitely a topic of conversation oh absolutely it's a huge controversy. Mm-hmm. So what is it, Em? Physician-assisted suicide, dying with dignity. It has a lot of names. So essentially what this means is where a physician will assist an individual or facilitate the patient's death by providing necessary means and or information to enable the patient to perform the life-ending act. So sleeping pills, um, things like that. So a lot of times physician-assisted suicide is used for patients who are terminally ill. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, it's that's all the time. Yeah. Um, so it says, such as those suffering from terminal, painful, debilitating mm-hmm. illness. Um, so right now there are 10 states that um, this is legal in. We have California, Colorado, D.C., Hawaii, Maine, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. And like I said, they all have different names, um, ranging from End of Life Option Act, um, Death with Dignity Act, Our Care, Our Choice Act, Aid in Dying for the Terminally Ill Act. This one's named after a person, Elizabeth Ooh. Whitefield, End of Options Act. Um, patient- Ooh, I like Vermont's. Patient Choice and Control at the End of Life Act. So, yes. Lots of different names, but the idea behind them is the same. This website used to have a map. There it is. So, we do have the the 10 states that actually have it. Um, And then there's quite a few states that are considering um, enacting upon it this year slash session wow and those states are arizona connecticut delaware indiana iowa kansas kentucky massachusetts minnesota nevada new york north dakota pennsylvania and rhode island and then of course the rest of the states unmentioned are ones where there is no activity no one is even going to begin discussing it yeah and our state is one of them obviously case you're wondering what side of the fucking controversy we sit on. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing with physician assisted suicide is the patient has to be proven to be mentally competent. Right. Um, And they have to have a terminal illness. I guess they don't have to, but generally have a terminal illness with a confirmed prognosis of having six or fewer months to live. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, I've done a lot of research on this and it is a process. Like Mm -hmm. by the time the patient even gets to the point where it can be done, they have like a few days, maybe a week left anyways. It is such a long process. Um, I don't know on the top of my head and I'm sure I have it right here. Different states have, um, different courses of action, but typically it looks like you have to request it in writing. Well, first you have to have the diagnosis and the prognosis. You have to request it in writing. You have to confirm it. You have to be seen by a therapist. Um, you have to request it in writing again within like three weeks of your visit. Like it's just like crazy, crazy process, but they're really just crossing all their T's at that point. Yep. So this website, deathwithdignity.org says the death with dignity process is robust. You have to have two physicians confirming the residency diagnosis, prognosis, mental competence, and voluntariness voluntariness of the request. There are two waiting periods, the first between oral requests and the second between receiving and filing the prescription. So like you have to request it and then you have to wait and then you have to request it again and then you have to be prescribed. And um, the whole two doctor thing too, that can really make it hard to actually get it done because- yeah. Like we said at the beginning of this, it is very controversial. Yep. So you have to get two physicians who agree that this On is the, the same best page. course of action, mm-hmm. you know, and that, I mean, I don't know. Try to find two doctors who agree. Right. Yikes. There was a point in time where Nebraska, um, it was talked about. Um, so can we clarify, this is not the same thing as a DNR. No, just, just to clarify that a DNR, the do not resuscitate totally different thing than physician assisted suicide. Like this is not something that happens after they, after they, what's the right word after they code blue. Basically after they crash. There it is. Yeah. So this is like prior they're requesting this. They are mentally coherent and capable of making this decision. DNR happens like after they've crashed. And they don't want any sort of life-saving measures. Yeah. Two different things. So Nebraska does, though Nebraska isn't one of the states um, where this is even being talked about in current session, it does have quite the history with introducing acts that are very similar to it. Did you know that? What does that mean? Nebraska has had acts such as these be introduced into session. Really? Mm-hmm. Very long time ago. So in the year of 1937. Whoa. Um, yeah, right? The Nebraska state senator, who was John Stock at the time, introduced the Voluntary Euthanasia Act, but the bill never even went into vote. So following his attempt in 1996, so nothing happened between 37 and 96. But then in 96, LB... 1259 was considered along with LB 406 and 97, LB 70 and 99. So like there's been quite a few that have been introduced. Um, In the year 2016, Ernie Chambers, Melissa's heart, introduced LB 1056, which was called the Patient Choice at End of Life Act which made no progress whatsoever. <laughs> um, 28 senators voted against Chambers' motion to pull the bill, and none of the senators voted um, for the notion, and six um, abstained. So in 2017, Ernie Chambers decided that he was not going to give up, and he renewed his efforts to get the bill passed. 
that allowed terminally ill individuals to pass peacefully and pain-free. And so he introduced LB 450, which was, again, the Patient Choice at the End of Life Act. Um, The bill was carried over into 2018, so it was looking hopeful, and then it didn't advance at all. Um, Ernie Chambers states that laws concerning end-of-life care, similar to death or dignity, are inevitable and will come to the state of Nebraska soon, whether we like it or not. Um, Many of Nebraska senators don't believe that they should be, quote, playing God, um, even with a less than six-month prognosis. Hmm. But yes. It's interesting. Like in 37, this was even a topic in Nebraska. Isn't that crazy? That is 37, crazy. 96, 97, 99, 2016, 2017, and 2018. And not one time it was passed. It's insane. That is insane. Well, and so the American Medical Association, they have this whole like section on physician assisted suicide. And it talks about how both sides obviously have differing perspectives, right? Um, equally deeply held and well considered. However, at the core of the debate is the idea that an individual should come to the end of the life with the least amount of suffering possible, which blows my mind because it's like, if you're saying they shouldn't be able to do this, but then you're also saying they should have the right to die with dignity. Contradictions. You're, you're kind of contradicting yourself here. You know, every patient should have the freedom to say, I don't want to continue life knowing I'm going to die in this much pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's something that has to serve the patient, whether or not we believe it individually. Like I can't even imagine being in that position, terminally ill, knowing I'm dying, being in so much pain. Right. And being denied the right. To choose. Common theme. Gross. Nowadays, isn't it? Um, I actually, now that we're talking about ethics, if you, you want to talk about ethics right now? Yeah, we can. Okay. So I actually have two papers that I've written, one in my undergrad and one in my grad. They're very different. One looks much more professional than the other. <laughs> now that I'm looking I at it. I see that, actually. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not. Um, it's definitely it's, like an undergrad. Yes. Paper. Um, so I actually connected um, it to the relevant um, code of ethics for social workers. Oh, okay. So the NASW code of ethics provides that show so whoa social workers with values and ethical principles of practice. So these um, professional values should be upheld by social workers no matter what. If you're in this field, you understand the code of ethics. And so for um, counselors, it's usually um, the American Psychological Association, uh, the ACA. Or the APA, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, or the ACA, the American Council Counseling, Association. Yeah. Association. I'm thinking because you got me thinking about my papers that I've written, and I have like a comparison between the nursing code of ethics and the social code of ethics. Look at she's got ethics. cat shit on her nose. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry. Anyways, on. so we're looking at our values in the code of ethics and ethical principles. So one of them in the NASW code of ethics is social justice, meaning that social workers challenge social justice. Um, Really, that just says that social workers pursue change on behalf of vulnerable and oppressed individuals. So if we're looking at this, individuals who are terminally ill and less than six months to live along with their families are absolutely considered to be vulnerable. So it's our job to advocate for them and what they want. Um, We have dignity and worth of a person. Really, this one looks at respecting the dignity 
of every individual, which really ties into what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, if we're looking at a lot of these acts that are put in place for the in the states that it is legal in, most of them are called death with dignity. And that's yeah. exactly what it is. Um so here it just says social workers seek to enhance um, capacity and the opportunity to change and address their own needs. Um, we got importance of human relationships. Um, having a loved one make a decision to pass with the assistance of a physician can be something that shocks family members. It can be hard, thus causing turmoil among the family. So it's a social worker's job to promote and support and educate the family on this um, decision that's being made. Mm-hmm. We've got integrity, behaving in a trustworthy manner. Being aware of the profession's missions, values, ethical principles, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that relates. Competence is a really big one. Yep. Um, if we're looking at, I mean, this could be a, a cultural thing. Sure. Right? Yeah. So we're looking at cultural things, any beliefs on end of life, religion, current laws even. We're talking about policy. Big one with there. Um, now we're looking at our ethical standards. We have self-determination. Big one. We have, yeah. to, even if we don't believe in it, we have to value that self-determination because it's their choice. Um, conflicts of interest. Going back to that, I don't, what if I don't believe in it, but right. it's what they want. That's a conflict of interest, but you still have to focus on that. So, so there's, I'm looking at the code of medical ethics. So this one's opinion 5.7. Um, and it talks about how like, it's understandable that some patients who are in this extreme duress want to come to the end of their life. Um and so, and so physician assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as a healer. So making sure that they are able to step outside of that role as like the healer and mm-hmm. recognize the person's autonomy. Um, so physicians who are, you know, looking into, what is the word I'm looking for? Man, I'm fucking struggling today. Physicians who are going to help facilitate um, physician assisted suicide should not abandon the patient, um, respect autonomy, provide good communication, and emotional support, and provide appropriate care and adequate pain control, um, for whatever that looks like. Mm. And also this goes back to like physician's integrity, um, distress for the physician. Will it compromise their ability to care for other patients? Gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> my god don't fucking move <laughs> she's so Got stupid, it. She's stupid. <laughs> um so that's kind of just like the medical code of ethics and everything within the medical code of ethics ethics is like do no harm protect heal right do everything in your power um and so physician assisted suicide very clearly goes against the fundamental core of like protecting a patient however i go back to like that basic ethical code for everybody in any sort of helping profession is do no harm. At what point is keeping someone alive doing more harm than allowing them to make that decision to take their own life? Mm -hmm. And so we have to really look at that ethical route for everybody of do no harm. At what point are we doing more harm than good? And so I think that's an important differentiation when we start looking at some of this stuff too. Um, I know I talked a little bit about Nebraska's history with, um, policy. I also have Colorado's on here, um, which is important because it's a nearby state. Um, 
even Colorado, which might I add is like a very blue state. Yeah. Had a difficult time getting this into action. Yeah. Um, like Nebraska, they had a lot of attempts. They had 95, 96, never passed. Um, 2015 into 2016, both of those not passed. It wasn't passed until I believe 2017. Wow. Um, in 2018. Okay, wait, hang on. What do I have on here? Oh, no. So it was 2016. So in November of 2016, voters in Colorado passed the End of Life Options Act with votes being two to one. So it was pretty close. That is close. Um, and the law was effective as soon as December 16th of 2016. Um, so in 2017, 69 residents of Colorado utilized the act. And in 2018, 56 more people enacted on it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the year of 2019, a total of 170 Colorado residents received prescriptions from up to 75 different physicians. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So that's the number that really got me there was the 75 different physicians, that there are 75 physicians in Colorado that will do this. That will do it. Yeah. Yeah. So – I have just ran across um, an article on here and it's called the 12 myths about physician assisted suicide. And the first one caught me. So I'm just going to read through some of these. Um, the first one says, "Every this is a myth. Everyone has the right to die, including a right to take one's own life acting alone or with assistance. That's a myth. Yep. So basically what it's saying is that this is not glorifying suicide. This is not saying like everyone has the right to do this. This is very specific to everyone has the right to make a, a choice. In this so it's situation? very specific to like mentally competent people may be at liberty to end their lives, but there's no recognized right to suicide. Um, and so this physician assisted suicide, it's a very specific like little niche in there. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not giving somebody a right to commit suicide essentially. Right. Um, and I think that's something very important that we put out there too, is that we're not glorifying suicide as an option. This is just a stance that a lot of people are taking with terminally ill patients in a hospital setting with the assistance of a physician. Right. Um, um, people who request made, I don't know what that is, usually do so because they are experiencing severe intractable pain and suffering. Um, Oh, medical aid and dying. That's what made is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most common reasons for people requesting that were loss of autonomy at 97.2%, inability to engage in enjoyable activities, 88.9%, and loss of dignity, 75%. So they're terminally ill, but it's not the terminal illness that is the suffering or that is the suffering that is the main reason that they are seeking right. the right to die with dignity. Um in states such as Oregon or Washington, where physician-assisted suicide is legal, there are adequate safeguards in place to ensure proper application. The hard part is because it's so controversial controversial and so emotive is it's really hard to do check-ins. Um, so if a physician is negligent in making the initial diagnosis or prognosis, there's no way to track that. Right. So like, let's say this doctor said like, yep, you're terminally ill, you have six months to live but that's not accurate. Mm-hmm. There's just no way to track that. There's no way to know for sure. Right. Um, there's no authority to investigate individual death with dignity cases. 
So it doesn't adequately protect all people with mental illness from receiving these lethal prescriptions. Mm -hmm. So there are just not enough safeguards in place, um, but they are working on those. So the Kenneth, Dr. Kenneth Stevens and Dr. William Toffler, both of Oregon Health and Science University, point to other and actual potential abuses of physician-assisted suicides, including physician shopping to get around those safeguards. Um, so physician shopping is essentially a person who goes from physician. You say to no, I'll go to the next one. I'll find someone that will say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, another myth in the United States, only people with terminal or incurable illnesses are eligible. I didn't know that. Um, most physician assisted suicide legislation applies to an adult with a terminal illness or condition predicted to have less than six months to live. In Oregon and Washington, nearly identical criteria are interpreted to mean less than six months to live, specifically without treatment. Yep. So just keep in mind, every state has a different policy. Yeah. So one state could be this, another state could be this, whatever. Yeah. So um, patients refusing appropriate treatment might be deemed as terminal under the current interpretation of specifically Oregon's law. So this means a healthy 20-year-old with insulin-dependent diabetes could be deemed terminal. Wow. Yep. Yikes. And another example, a patient with anorexia nervosa who refused treatment could be eligible under Oregon's law. Um, so it's just, it's an alteration of the, the meaning of the concept. Right. Um, myth number five, slippery slope arguments about physician-assisted suicide are overblown. In European countries that allow it, there is no evidence that patients are being euthanized improperly. Um... People with non-terminal illnesses have been legally euthanized at their own request in several countries for nearly 15 years. So in 2002, Belgium and Luxembourg removed any distinctions between terminal and non-terminal conditions, between physical suffering and mental suffering for legally permitted physician-assisted suicide. Between 2008 and 2014, more than 200 psychiatric patients were euthanized by their own request in the Netherlands. Avery gave me henna tattoos. Earlier. I was like, do you have ringworm? No, <laughs> like, no what is this? that's henna tattoos. One's a smiley face. One was like the start of something. And then she circled it. Oh. Yeah. Um, so among those 200 psychiatric patients in the Netherlands that were euthanized, 52% had a diagnosis of a personality disorder. 56% refused one or more offered treatment and 20% had never even had an inpatient stay. Mm. Yeah. Um, myth six, the method of assisted dying now used in Oregon and other physician assisted states assures the patient a quick, peaceful death without complications. The hard part is a peaceful death is by no means guaranteed using the current method. Um, so physicians need to be looking at adverse outcomes, a longer death time than normal. Um, awakening from unconsciousness, nausea, vomiting, gasping. There's no way to guarantee that those things will not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some data collection between 1998 and 2015 showed that the time between ingestion of the lethal drugs and death ranged from one minute to more than four days. Um, so just know that like that's not guaranteed. Another myth, death would dignity comes down to the patient's autonomy and the right to patients. And oh my God, Chelsea. And the right of patients to end their life on their terms. Jeez. So autonomy is just one of the four cornerstones of physician-assisted suicide um, and of medical ethics. The others are benefits, non-maleficence, and justice. 
doctors are conscientiously doctors who conscientiously oppose physician assisted suicide are perfectly free to refuse to participate in. In theory, yes. However, that's not necessarily true. If a state has grant has passed through legislation, physician assisted suicide, a physician can't necessarily just refuse to do it. Right. They still have to practice in the best interest of the patient. And if that's by law, what they have to do, then they have to do something that is against their personal belief system. Mm -hmm. And then we start looking at like what mental health effects does that have on the physician? Right, right, right. Um, I'm going to skip some of these. Some of these we've already talked about. People requesting physician-assisted suicide are carefully screened by mental health professionals to rule out depression. That's a myth. Um, so a lot of them do not require mental health diagnoses or mental health assessments. Mm -hmm. They just require the assessments of two medical physicians. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not necessarily true. Um, and the last one for terminally ill patients, the only means of achieving death with dignity is by taking a lethal drug. So it's really just a small minority of people with terminal disease seek a physician's prescription. Um, they tend to try more self-poisoning methods prior to doing so. Some choose to voluntarily stop eating and drinking. Um, and that might be something you've seen in hospice. Yep. Because there was a study involving hospice nurses. Well, and the eating and drinking, that's not always an option in hospice. Most It's a part of the, the stages of death, which we can talk about in another episode if you really want to like talk a lot about hospice. Um but it's a stage of the death process. It's literally like a specific step that this happens. Yeah. Um, and once that happens, I mean, you've you know. got, you've got maybe a couple days to a week. Yeah. Depending. Um, talking about hospice, hospice, this kind of relates to the DNR discussion too, but a lot of people really do connect hospice and physician assisted death because really when you think about it so i used to be in hospice um in my undergrad and what you see a lot in there is um a patient with a terminal illness a short prognosis they're ready to die they don't want to continue the life-saving measures similar to a dnr i don't want treatment anymore i don't want meds anymore right i am ready to go and really with that, hospice can't provide the medication to end your life, but they support that end of life happening. Right. So they give you morphine to help with the pain. Yep. But they cannot give you enough to kill you. They just help you with the pain and let you die on your own time. So there is a big difference there when it comes to like comparing hospice and um, assisted death. So... Wow. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's well, super interesting and very different from what we have been doing this month. Right. Um, but I think the reason we want to cover it is because it is a topic of conversation that is not had very often. Right. Um, so there you go. Wow. Wow. It's raining again. I know. Oh my god. I love the rain. Dude, so like I was gonna like after the kids left, I was like, I'm gonna go get a bottle of wine and I'm just gonna relax. And then our boss was like, Okay, well, I'm just picking up my daughter and then I'll drop the phone off. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, I'm on call. I know. I was 
so sad. Rest in peace. Yeah, no line for me. I know I was going to too, and then I was like, fuck, I have to wake up early and work out because I'm doing that again. So fuck. Doesn't that kind of suck that like when you start working out, you have to get back in the habit of doing that? I know. And you know, when I was like religiously in the gym working out, it was nice because I would have a schedule. Like not only did I do that, but I also had a schedule with intermittent fasting. So like I knew exactly when I was going to eat and I knew exactly when I was going to go work out. And it was really nice to to have that um, routine. And then I got so comfortable with when COVID happened, I just quit everything. (laughs) Um, So I got rid of that routine and I was sleeping in and I would hang out in the living room. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to get that routine started again. Like so, last week I had like a migraine all week. Cause like I was waking up early. I was working out. My body oh, was not used to working out Yeah. and it was just like, bleh. so what time do you get up and work out? I get up at, well, I want to be down there by five. So Gross. I I usually wake up at five. Yeah. Cause I'm on the elliptical till like five 40. And then I lift weights until about six, 26, 30. And then that gives me an hour and a half to get ready for work. Part of me was like, maybe I'll get up with you, but like the gym doesn't even open until six. Yeah. No, I, I don't go to that gym. I go to ours. Well, I know basement. I just make it. <laughs> I have a friend that lives there. You can you can come work out with me. I would probably die. It's fucking five in the morning, bro. Yeah. And I like I don't necessarily do two a days. I used to, but now I'm just kind of like, I mean, I guess I kind of do. I lift and then I run. The main reason I do it like that is so I don't have to work as hard. (laughs) (laughs) So like I do like I half ass it, but then I know I'm gonna come back tonight. Oh no! And then see. I get like a full workout instead of two two full workouts. I get like a workout and a half in. Oh yeah, no. See, I go fucking hard. Yeah. Anyway, I got quotes. Oh my gosh! I have two, and they're both by Viktor Frankl. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Man's Search for Meaning. Oh yeah, I have this book. Have you read it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I had to read it for class. It's fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He just wrote another one called Yes to Life. I mean, I guess not just wrote another one, but his it, he has another one called Yes to Life, and I want to get it and read that one too. Um, but so there's two, and they're both by Viktor Frankl. The first one says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response, and our response lies our growth and our freedom. Mm. And then the, I love that. The other one just kind of like resonated with what we talked about. It says without suffering and death, human life cannot be complete. Mm. Wow. If you haven't read a man's search for meaning. No, it's good. Read it. I mean, Victor Frankl was um, taken and put in a camp. It was Auschwitz, wasn't it? I don't know what camp it was. Part of me feels like it wasn't like, that one. It was like a Nazi concentration camp. He was put mm-hmm. in a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like writes his story about like giving up hope and what it was like to be in there and then refinding that hope and then writing this whole manifesto about like the meaning of life. Yeah. It's a good book. Very powerful. I don't know. When I was um in my undergrad, I had a lot of books that I actually really enjoyed about like life and death and I actually have a book called, um, now I can't even think about it. It's like a collection of essays. 
I'll have to let you borrow. Have you read that? Maybe. Why can't I think of what it's called? This I believe. Oh God. No, this, no. So this I believe and they even have, so they have the book, but they have it for the public too. So like in my, in one of my social work classes, my professor had us write a this, I believe essay. And it's basically like talking about your philosophy on life or a specific um, situation. But I have a this, I believe book and it's just full of like Temple Grandin's in there. Is that there. what it looks like? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like we have a Temple Grandin in there. Um, there's a, who are those guys? They're like a Vegas act. Like they're big. There's like a big guy and a small guy and one of them doesn't talk. No idea. My husband's going to listen to this and be like, are you fucking stupid? Probably Chris, leave us alone. Because he knows exactly who I'm talking about. Well, cool. I mean, um, he actually has to fucking listen first, though. He, so. He's been he's been doing better. Has he been doing better than us? Because I didn't listen last week either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if I did or not. You know what I love? What? I love when people reach out to me and they're like, I've been listening to your podcast. Oh. Like, and I like, people I had no idea would even like listen like my cheer coach from high school reached out to me um i don't know when maybe oh i did go back to our first episode it was uploaded on october 10th oh <gasps> you yep. don't have to do a celebration episode mm-hmm. anyways like my cheer coach from high school texted me and was like oh my gosh like i love this and like one of my coworkers mm-hmm. randomly texted me the other day and she's like i'm on the halloween episode so i'm really far behind but i like i love this and i was like oh, stop it sweet i know i love when people like Text me and they're like, I've been listening. It's nice. Makes me feel happy. I know. I kind of feel like you and I are starting to hit this. Like our life has been so fucking chaotic this year. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like for the past year, every episode we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of like have this gut feeling that things are just going to start to level out and we might be able to like get back to that. Like that groove. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Okay. We're going to shut up now. Make sure you water yourself. Hey, friends. Goodbye. Bye.